Do we know what we're talking about? <laughs> Season three. Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. This and this <laughs> is Pod Have Mercy. Every time I feel the spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. So, Jeff, the um, social media internet broke yesterday. What happened? They <laughs> was didn't it all it. platforms? Or was it they, just... Everything owned by Facebook. Yeah. So they installed the update. Yeah, you and you don't ever do that right away. You wait a little while. Oh yeah, you wait till all. Yeah, you of don't. The... Just I mean, Facebook should know better than that's this. a Smart that's a rookie. Here. That's a rookie, and they've got folks, former Apple folks that work for them. I'm yeah, sure exactly. So that's not like it's like the, the little number with the like one on it. They clicked it and it goes, <laughs> "You have a software update." Oh okay, let's just do they that. Said, hey, we're gonna go to lunch. I'm gonna let this download for my billion users. <laughs> And then I heard they couldn't get back in the building because the key card, the key cards wouldn't let them in the building because the whole thing shut down. I was kind of like, beautiful. Let's see if I have a software update right now. You do. You think I do? They updated every like thirteen seconds, something now. It's all right. So it says automatic. I'm no, my software is up to date, but I could also upgrade to iOS fifteen. What does that mean? I'm not doing that because I don't want my life to shut down. Not going to update. So did you notice that the social media world shut down? I did not. Because don't you sit, you sit and watch all day, right? I do. That's all I do, John, is I'm always on. You could tell by my posts that I'm consumed by social media. What was your last post on? I don't know. You, um, you just, can you imagine how many people in the United States and across the world like didn't know what to think about things without yeah. Facebook? But didn't you say earlier who to be mad at? <laughs> like, what there, do I do? I don't know who to be mad at or who to like. <laughs> there, there was some great, um, there was some great memes and stuff. I mean, on Twitter, Twitter had a field day because you know, Twitter is not owned by Facebook. But uh, there was some guy that said, "Hey, um, you know, Facebook and Instagram are down. Can I come over to your house and look at your food in your refrigerator? Because you know, you can take a picture of your food. Can I come over and can I come over and take a picture of your food?" <laughs> That's awesome. Beth Moore put on there. She goes, this is the nicest everyone's ever, anyone's ever treated me on Facebook. <laughs> what's, what's interesting about that is that I, I don't know if, what to make of like even the, um, the, the that inside person that's kind of coming out at Facebook and saying, hey, um, they've known that these kind of, um, they know that pitting against each other and, and an algorithm towards anger actually drives folks engagement. And if we drive folks engagement, then we can have more revenue. And so they know that driving anger and discord actually drives revenue. And so it's, it's, we're kind of where we're at because we're, we're kind of these, we're on this habit trail of just running towards things that we think that being angry is actually doing something, you know, and yeah, so this um, the whistleblower from that worked at Facebook is that what you're you're referring uh-huh. to? I'm assuming, you know, to come out and said that they know, you know, that they intentionally, like, um, leading up to the election, they mm-hmm. kind of like turned things off so it wouldn't be so bad. And as soon as the election was over, they turned it, turned all, it back all back on, on. Which that was like the worst, the worst time right. after. I mean, there there are people who literally believe election was stolen. Believe it. 
It's, it's stolen. First time an American history election was stolen. Believe that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where, where do you get that information? From people. Yeah. Somewhere. I mean, there was this guy, the guy, so the guy, the big guy in Georgia, Lynn Wood, right, who was yeah, yeah, yeah. talking right. about the election was stolen, all this kind of stuff. You know, last week he was at a group talking about how 9-11 was, didn't happen. Yeah. That the Pentagon and the Defense Department had lost all this money and to cover it up, they CGI'd the planes into the buildings and they blew the buildings up. That only works if you've ever not, if you don't go to New York (laughs) or haven't been twice (laughs) before and after. I don't, yeah, yeah. Well, no, they said they blew the buildings up, but the, but the. Government blew the buildings up. Oh, they CGI'd the they planes. They CGI'd the planes. Which, you know, I don't know how much you know about CGI in 2001, but they had, CGI wasn't real it's, good in 2001. It, I mean, go, go back and go watch back Jurassic and, Park. I was just going to say that, yeah. right? It was, it, was, <laughs> it was almost scary. It was like a plastic dinosaur. <laughs> it, was, it, was the, it was the Muppets. Yo. Don't you remember when the guy, uh, don't you remember when the guy's got the gun and he's in the woods and the little velociraptor comes right out of the trees next to him? It's like, I can buy that at Toys R Us right now. It looks the same. <laughs> So I don't know, man. It's like people, we, we, we talked, if you didn't get to listen last week, uh, to talk about truth mm-hmm. and, um, all these things that go on in the world. I mean, I would definitely say, pay attention to that yeah. because, um, you know, honestly, that's, that's where we are is I, I'm truth. Getting, I'm getting more concerned, not concerned, but more, um, interested and, um, kind of these small batch relationship kind of spaces, right? And so the places that that have a closed email system where I'm emailing, say, you know, this community we're building in our Sunday school class or in a men's group or whatever, right? Like, like those places, I'm realizing that I want to invest more of my time and spirit and energy to because the the response back from that is actual care or it's concern, or it's questions, or it's, I'm able to have coffee with folks that I may differ. I have like, I'm finding in these, these small batch communities I'm in right now, like I don't agree with a lot of, you know, some of the, the political stances or whatever, but I love, and I'm loved by these folks. Mm -hmm. And it absolutely transcends all of that to where, like, I'm not willing to give up that relationship for an idea. Like you constantly talk about, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not willing to do that. Right, because my idea is just an idea, and this person is an actual flesh and blood person that constitutes the presence of Jesus in my life. Yeah, and so I'm willing to lay down my idea in words to say I want to be in fellowship with you, and let's 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 come, let us reason together. You know, let's work this out together. And so I, I don't know. I'm yeah. If the pandemic did anything, it disconnected us. Yeah, disconnected us from being in the presence of one another. Yeah. So. You know, yeah. you turn to social media and you think you're connecting to people. You're not connecting to anybody no. on social media. You're just like spouting your You're connecting thing. to X's and O's at the end of the day. Well, you're just spouting whatever it is yeah, you're spouting. Yeah. It's your stuff, whether it's a picture of your dessert or your grandkids or your political opinion or your pandemic opinion, mm-hmm. I mean, or whatever it is. Whatever it is. Um, that, that's what it becomes. And there's no conversation. I think that's the thing that hurt us the most last summer when we were mm. trying to have dialogue about all the issues around race. race. And it still hurts us. Yeah. And everyone that I, I find that, so, that struggles so much with the issues of race and having conversations, because we can't have a conversation. No. We can't sit down and have a conversation with 
someone who's black and has been through a different experience and sit across the table from yeah yeah so all we get is someone uh someone's video of some flame throwing <laughs> leader on this side or that side and they put it on social media and they say see and then we normalize they all, that <laughs> they you know see their only goal is to make me feel horrible because i was born as a white person yeah and I'm like, that's not what this is about, but that's no. what it becomes. Remember we talked about confusion deflection? Yes, yes. Um, and so it, be, it, it becomes, and then you, what, the, the thing that was interesting last week when talking about that truth is that the confusion and the deflection breaks communication. And when yeah. you can't speak to each yeah. other, you have no language, it's yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. You're not sitting there having a conversation yeah. anymore. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. If, if, you know, if I were Satan, and let's play that role, Matt for Satan for a day. Um, like, like there's a sense in which like you would want to create, and it's, it, it reminds me of the, the screw tape letters from, uh, um, oh, yeah, C.S. Yeah. Lewis, you know, where, where Worm, Wormwood, if he couldn't, uh, if he could make them busy, he could distract them from the gospel. And I think that what I see in that, which we were talking about last week is it, it feels like I can, in kind of. The, the terms I grew up in, the, the, the tool of really the enemy <laughs> of our souls that would want to uh, sow confusion among us and distraction, mm. right? Then it can keep us away from each other. Um, and I think that that's, that's where we're at today. I think the repentance means then we come back home. We come back to each other. We have these kinds of relationships. We work these things out. The amount of damage that's been done to this point, though, yeah. has put people in a, in a position where they don't want to come sit down right. across uh, from someone. Yeah. Their minds are already made up. There's no openness. Mm. And that's, that's also an enemy of truth because you already that's have right. certainty about something that you have no certainty about. Right. Or you shouldn't have certainty about. Right. Because you didn't gain that knowledge through a relationship. So what do you think happens in, I mean, is this like, um, like in terms of like the, the movement of God's spirit, like what's the call then for us? Like what's the, What's the summonsing of God to, to, to the church? Well, so for me, the, the message has been, I, I was meeting with a guy today who was talking about politics and stolen elections. And, and of course, I'm, you know, as a pastor, I'm just like, well, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about yeah. Jesus. <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> Jesus. Because I don't know where we land if we go talking about that. Because, yeah. you know... I may agree with him on one thing and then he goes 180 on something. We're not going to agree on yeah, everything. Yeah. You can't agree on everything. But we agree on uh, issues around faith. I think the yeah. church has to, I've, I've said this every Sunday, you have to be more faithful to the text. Yes. You're going to have to be prophetic, right? Yeah. You're going to have to agitate the comfort, comfortable and comfort, comfort the yeah. agitated yeah. or afflicted. Yeah. And you're going to have to strive to be in community, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's online or in person, but you're yes. going to have to strive to reach out. And, and you're going to have to get outside of your own little circle of your echo chamber. Mm. You're going to have to be intellectually curious. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> and be receptive to those who are different than you are. I mean, yeah. that's the church has to just model humility. Yeah. If God is going to be the center then I'm not the center. And if I'm not the center, then my ideology is not the center around which everything else mm. orbits. If God's the center, then everything has to operate and orbit around God, yeah. which means I gotta love, I have submission, yeah. I have humility, I have obedience. Um, right. People don't right. like those things nowadays. No. I don't know that they've ever liked those things. Right, but I also think that when in kind of fat times culturally, those are kind of add-ons, but like what, what I'm discovering kind of in this season 
through the sermon series and other things in my life is like, oh, wait, like, like if I'm going to breathe, you know, if I'm going to have space in my life, if I'm going to be able to operate outside of my brainstem that's, you know, fight, flight, that I'm going to have to develop these practices that allow me to operate and to move in the world in different ways. Right? Yeah, and the vicious cycle is mm-hmm. people are cornered, yeah. right? right? And right. they are afraid, but they don't manifest it in fear because fear controls you. You don't control it. So fear becomes anger. I got to fill the space with anger. So I become angry, which means I'm backed into a corner because I feel separated, but now I'm pushing everything away. Now I'm more separated. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And at some point you're going to have to lay down the anger, admit the fear yep. and say, I want yep. you to come over here and I want to come to you and right. I want to have a connection as scared as I yep. am. I'm scared to death to right. my core about what I may hear. It doesn't mean you have to agree, but you, that's the step that yeah. goes to healing. Yeah. That's vulnerability. That's where healing Absolutely. comes from. It's like exercising cancer and you're, you, I mean, yeah. cut it out then you got to go through chemo. You know, I mean, there's a process by which you get right again. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where we are. Yeah. There's a um, there's a, a book that was out um, a while ago called Emotional Intelligence, and um, I think the guy's name was Goldman. He he said that the one the one question um, that um, emotionally intelligent people ask, and it's a capacity you can grow in, is why why am I angry? Why do I feel angry? Right. And, um, and I think that David asked that, I think, in the Psalms. Why are you downcast, oh, my soul? He, hmm. You know, he catched that, couched that question differently. And I wonder if that's the, the capacity of, like, mature Christians. Have, we have to keep, maturity means that we're going to ask these questions. Why am I so angry? Or why am I so fearful right now? You know, and, and ask that and let the Spirit reveal to us why that is so that we could we can begin to dissect and ask and put that out in front of each other, like you're saying in vulnerability with each other. But it, but you know what? Pe- people are going to have to take a step. They're going to have to, yes. they're going to have to venture outside of their zone. Their zone to do that. Or there's no healing. No, 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 no. It's kind of like all these stories you hear about, you know, I've known all these people in ministry and they're older. It's like yeah. they grew up on the farm, right? Yeah. And they got all these symptoms. It's like, you should really go to the doctor and get that checkup. I'm not going to the doctor. I ain't doctor. going to the doctor. None of them doctor Which doctor? stick me, <laughs> yeah. you know. Oh, I've, never need, been, I've never been to a doctor and I'm not going I to the doctor. I just need some more bacon. That's all I need. Yeah. But I mean, I've known, listen, from South Georgia, trust me, I've known a lot yeah. of people oh, like that. Yeah. And then, you know, may not be anything bad. It could just be aches and pains. And sometimes yeah. it's like cancer. Guess yeah. what? It's stage four, stage five. Five cancer and you've got do. three weeks. Even though you've had symptoms for years, and but you never... Yeah. went to get it checked out. That's what I see now is like oh, we right. their symptoms manifesting themselves in our lives, uh, but we're not stepping out to actually go get it diagnosed. We're not willing to put ourselves that's right. um, out there to get it diagnosed. One of the hopes I have, John, in this community is that, is, is that we become like, um, like that New Testament understanding of the hospital. It's not it, that to understand that our society is sick right now and that we, like Isaiah says, and I'm a sick person and I live among sick people, right? That's not all we are, but that's that we have an illness. And what do we do then as a community uh, that really provides then a, a definitive pathways towards healing, right? Because I think that the old models of discipleship where it's Bible 101, 102, 103, and you just kind of get more information 
isn't working, Mm -hmm. that we have to figure out ways of integrating. Knowledge is not going to fix it. No. We have to figure out ways of integrating this knowledge into the way that our um, limbic system, our emotional system is hardwired. Um, and, and how do we do that? I mean, th- th- we're talking about practices, we're talking about small groups, we're talking about accountability, those kinds of things that were kind of add-ons now have to become almost this, this, this training program for how we move in the world, how we, how we breathe every day, how we allow the spirit to animate our lives. Hmm. Well, one of the things, um, you're talking about community, and yeah. this last week I was talking about some information that came from Barna at a conference in Kansas City, and it looked a lot at kind of what's happened, what's changed during the pandemic, and it talks a little bit of what we're talking about connection. I thought we'd talk about it for just a couple of minutes yeah. and then bail out of here. But, um, <laughs> you know, when, when we entered into the pandemic, uh, we went into digital ministry. We couldn't meet in person. Wasn't that fun? Um, <laughs> it was really different, wasn't I, it? I, you know, honestly, I'll say there probably were some things that were nice. Getting to play yeah. golf on Sunday mornings was not a bad thing, yeah. selfishly. Yeah. I'm just being totally honest. If you don't like it, it's just, I mean, I don't no, want to lie was, to you. I'm not going to lie to you and say, oh, I was at home praying. I was, I was practicing. Hours, while the stream was, I was online. I writing sermons. You know. <laughs> Fasting. We recorded on, you know, the well, we recorded live services originally on Thursday or Friday. And then we did a sort of a separate deal where we were doing the sermon on Friday. The music on Sunday was getting edited together as a mm. package that was actually made people feel like they were more present in the service. Well, then when we went back online in September or back in person, um, we found that even now, so we're well over a year back in person, but we still have a significant number of people that are intersecting digitally. Or I would say now that are engaged in some hybrid of part things in person, part things digitally. Yes. And a couple of the things they looked at, it's like... um, after COVID-19, what kind of church service gathering will fit your lifestyle the best? And they looked at churched adults, and then they did it by uh, generational age groups. Gen Z is the youngest up to 23, millennials, um, Gen X, that's our generation, and baby boomers. And of course, you can see yeah. uh, the oldest generation, the boomers, are like 71%. I got to be primarily physical. Flesh. We've seen this on yeah. Sunday morning. So oh, when yeah. you look at the 50 60% return rate, vast majority of them are boomers. boomers. We have all ages, but they're way more boomers. That's right. And when you look at primarily digital gatherings, that's the orange. That means that's the way I want to intersect primarily. The oldest group is like, nah, no thanks. Yeah. Whereas look at <laughs> my generation, What's yours and lower, right? Right. You've got 13% of Gen Z, our kids and grandkids, millennials, young adults, that are saying, hey, I just, just that. And then both, um, you'll see the 37, 40% kind of rate. Um, It's interesting to me. What kind of church service gathering fits your life? Well, again, same deal. Uh, The older they are, the the more physical gatherings Mm -hmm. are important. Uh, Oh, there's a picture of a mistake. Look at that. Did you make that? Uh, No, I didn't make that, but it looks pretty good. That's really good. After the pandemic, 63% of churched adults believe churches should use digital resources for purposes of spiritual formation and Absolutely. discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. So we've always been thinking 
well, we got to go to digital. We have to do more stuff digital, mm. but we never would before the pandemic. That's right. I'm not really sure why. We, we tried, but like we never did. We, I remember to all the time, oh, we should do like an online Wednesday night digital Bible study. And we, we, you'd never, we no, yeah, well, you'd yeah. never pull the trigger. No. We had the res- we had the capacity. Because yeah. we started we never- using Zoom like day one of the <laughs> pandemic. Like it was there. Yeah. We just didn't want to do it. And so it's all the things right? all the things we needed to do, just like Lisa Greenwood said, mm-hmm. pandemic just accelerated yes. the, the rate of change. Yeah, that's right. Everybody's done it. My mom does happy hour on Zoom. Zoom. You know, yeah. wine and bunko and <laughs> you know, all the kind of stuff that they do their little wine parties with yeah. their ladies. Yeah. There's some things that I think that work really well on Zoom. Like I could see, and this is this is going to probably put me in that it's in that Gen X category. But I mean, there's something about being physically together and worshiping that like there's no substitute for me for you know being in. I can now if I want to listen to a sermon, I can get online and listen to any podcast. There's something different showing up worshiping and then having a sermon there that like now Bible said the Bible study that I do on on Friday is awesome. I think it may be as good, if not better online than it is. I mean, there's a physical dimension that would be good, but we've got people that are coming from all over and we've built this little growing community online of 60 folks that show up every week. Yeah. Right. And so, and people don't want to move back to in-person because it would mean that the folks that are outside of Houston couldn't come, you know, all that. Well, there's that. And then there's this right here. And I want you to think about how this plays out in having hard yeah. conversations yeah. around faith. 87% of church participants, this means all demographic ages, okay. right? Uh, church participants of digital discipleship feel that yes. digital forums for discipleship provide a safe space to speak openly. Yes. What do you think that means for you? Now, this is data. We have to interpret it, right? There's still a preference for physical worship gatherings, but I, this thing stood out to me. 87%, I mean, we're talking about, let's just say 90% rounded <laughs> just up. Just go there. Because right? I like 90. <laughs> 90. Um, they feel that digital forums for discipleship provide a safe space to speak openly. Now, I don't know necessarily that means they don't feel like they can speak openly in another one, but this, this, there's something to this to think, okay, if we're going to have difficult conversations around things, man, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe. I've, been, I've been fighting so hard to think we got to get to the place where we can get people in the Together. room looking at each other across the table. But I don't know that maybe uh, everybody feels safe to be honest or share yeah. in that type of an yeah. environment. I yeah. don't know. It's, it's interesting to me because in some of these forms that, that I wonder if there is a sense in which um, digital space doesn't like I can say things, but also and, and not and I'm not saying it in like mean ways or something. I can I can test drive a thought in front of somebody that I know, you know, uh, might not agree or whatever. I can test drive that thought in a way that my physical body is distant and I have a little space on. And I also know that I'm not going to run to that person in the parking lot. There's not the meeting after the meeting or before I can, I, it's really about me kind of gaining knowledge to be able to interact on the physical. Think about, all right. So I think about some meetings that I've had on zoom over the past year and a half. And I'm trying to think of there were any not controversial meetings or Mm. studies or anything, but just whether they be staff meetings or conference meetings or, Bible studies, 
So think about if, if, if you don't know, if this is over your head and you don't know Zoom, you're probably not listening to this podcast anymore. <laughs> but if you know how Zoom works, right, you know that everybody's on there. You can, as the facilitator, I can mute everyone. I can control, I can shut up, you know, if I want to. But have, there's a chat session. So people can dialogue and chat. But what they can also do, and I've experienced this a bunch, a bunch. They may pr send me a private message on the yes, chat. Yes. And it's a question. Yes. This happens all the time. Whenever Absolutely. we whenever we have a staff meeting or a staff education session or we're talking about it's like difficult passing issues, someone a note in the old days. It, they they want sees it. they want to be heard and they feel safe to send it to me, yeah. but they don't want everyone to know it's what they said. And so a lot of the times yes. when I look at it, sometimes they'll say, "Hey, I don't know if this fits right here." And I'll send back a note, "Do you go ahead and ask this question? That'll be fine." And then Sometimes you can tell they're sending something and you're like, they don't want everyone to know. So what I do is I'll own it and say, hey, um, you know, I've heard from someone X. Their anonymity is protected, but their voice is heard. Uh, and so they feel as if they are plugged in. And, but think about the vulnerability. So if you're talking about a safe space to speak openly, you... You couldn't do that if you were all in the same room. Yeah, no, that's right. Not unless someone texted you. If they knew your text, which that doesn't, that doesn't seem to work. Yeah. Or if they literally slid you a note. Yeah. Right. But Zoom, in real time, as you're meeting and talking. There's other pathways People are able to, able to, to, to either critique or that's right. ask. That's really and they can do it in front of everyone or they can do it in Privately. front of no one and just send it to you. Mm -hmm. And I think, wow, that's... um. It's a real, it's a real interesting way to allow a voice to be brought into space without someone feeling ashamed or embarrassed uh, by asking it. Because a lot of the times, what I've experienced is it's not that um, it's really more that they think they're going to sound stupid or they're, it's they're not troublemakers. They're not trying to start a fight. They're not being negative they have a real legitimate Absolutely. question right. but they feel really self-conscious about asking that in right that space. tender and kind of timid about it yeah and so that gives them like this yeah, little really safe space because they know too if we're in these these places if they send you that private message the first thing you do is go oh well matt just sent me a message that he says he thinks this is all a bunch of bunk <laughs> or now i'm sure <laughs> yeah, right. that there have been people who have done that <laughs> during the pandemic yeah, yeah and guess what you lose there's no safe space there anymore. <laughs> thought it was private and now it's public yeah but i think there is something that's very important there um and having said that this sorter talk i mean the survey talks about experiencing god in a church service alongside other people is very important mm -hmm. to me this is 81 percent yeah. so that's that's but that's worship yes i think worship is going to be hard to replicate i oh. think that's the one thing that people realized Yes, you can worship online digitally, yeah. but there's a m much more of a preference for us to do that. I, I, can together. I say this? I don't know. I think you can watch people worship online digitally and you can have a solitary experience of that in yourself or maybe with your family. Maybe some people have done, did that better than I was able to. But there, again, there is something about the immediacy and the, I mean, it's the sermon on, on incarnation, there's no substitute for flesh. Hmm. You know, there's just no substitute for flesh. And so I think that's why worshiping together for me is like I'm, I'm more hungry for it than, 
not coming out of the pandemic. Yeah, um, there's a lot of information in this thing I thought was interesting. They talk about um, using prayer as an engagement on ramp mm -hmm. because the emotions that come out of prompted by prayer are very powerful things. But the five insights they gave is, you know, there seems to be a warmth to digital and hybrid ministry mm -hmm. that I think we didn't realize we could create, mm -hmm. right? There's a preference for physical worship gatherings yeah. still for people to be in worship together. That's still there. They didn't go away. Although it is slow for people to come back. And I attribute that. Um, if you look at across, for example, the um, political ideological spectrum, you know, on both ends, you have things about the pandemic. But on one end, on, say, the left liberal end, there's a belief that, you know, if you get COVID, there's a 50% chance you go to the hospital. I mean, I know and people. And then die. <laughs> yeah, and then die. Which, again, that's not science. That's not facts. But no. so they just don't go out. I mean, I know people who they don't go to the restaurant. They don't go to church. No. I know people who's like, oh, I've already had two boosters. I was like, two boosters? Two boosters. You don't even qualify for one booster. <laughs> How did you get black market booster? It's like black market booster. I mean, you got people in the world. You got people in the world like I'm never getting a vaccine. You got people like just pump it up, baby. Put it, put it on a drip. I, I want it every day. I want a booster, and I'm kind of like, okay, uh, whatever. I, I think um, this uh, this third one: distractions are challenges to online church, for especially families with children. I heard this a lot from oh, yeah. a lot of young families. Yeah, that. It's really hard to come back to church with the kids and to be in their yeah. pajamas. Yep. But to try to do online church together as a family when you have young kids. Um, that's why we had a big push for our middle contemporary service, which which is really like our one-stop shop. Yeah. Because you can take your kids to Sunday school, kids to Drop nursery. Them. Everybody students, goes and comes. And then you yeah. can go to church. And Chapwood has always, always had that as yeah. an option. Yeah. And we've never liked it because we were like, oh, everybody should be in Sunday school and then yeah. everybody should be in and church. We, we, and, <laughs> and some parents were like, no, 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 oh, my kids are not coming to church for me. No. <laughs> no, I want an hour where I can worship and listen and I'm going to put my kid in the nursery. Yeah, right. And don't even get, you want, here's a beeper for, you know, in case your kid exits. Yeah. I don't know, you keep yeah. it. I don't and want it. If you don't bus. do that, I'll go to like the Mormon church or what, something we got I'm a going random. Somewhere. <laughs> I'm going Take to, my child. I'm becoming Buddhist because they got a 945 service that's. <laughs> and they will babysit my child with no beeper. Beeper. With no Could beeper. we get your cell phone number so we can page you in case your child acts up? No. Coughs. No. no. Put a in the yeah, I remember that. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, one of the things they find, there's a lot of digital evangelism opportunities. I don't know that we even know what all those are now at this point, um, but what they found here is that, um, you know, can, a lot of the, uh, what were you going to say? Well, well, one of the things I found, and this is, um, like, so we like iconoclast, we had a, a, a poetry deal this, this week and we sent it out and people came, we had probably 75 folks that came to the campus. I would say two thirds of those, or maybe, maybe half of those had never darkened the door of this campus, hmm. right? They're, they're introduced to Chapelwood. They're introduced to, there's a lot of folks from Chapelwood that came. And so it was, it looked like Houston. It was a broad swatch of folks that would just, it was like, oh, this is Houston. And so I think that's a digital kind of connection for folks to say, oh, here's things that are happening. Here's this church that's hosting this thing. And for us to kind of befriend and do then that kind of evangel that, that physical piece of saying, hey, glad you're here. You know, and I, I think things like that abound. Yeah. Well, when you're talking about evangelism or, you know, that's a word we don't really use much anymore. Yeah. But they did talk about ways that you can invite people 
to have co safe conversations. Yes. The same thing goes back to the yep. safe space in the digital yep. arena. Yep. Yep. So a lot of younger younger people are saying, I can invite people to a digital forum on a conversation around faith and religion and prayer or whatever, mm -hmm. and it's a safer space. And they're more apt to invite someone. Whereas in the old days, say, hey, we're gonna have a class on something at the church. And like, yeah, I'm not gonna invite anybody nah, to, to come and to do that. Yeah. You know, the only other thing I'll say is they did a lot of uh, research and questions about Gen Z, mm. especially, um, you know, that's the highest age there is 23 years old. What I thought was interesting is they, the Pew Research says that almost half of post-millennials are non-white. So Gen Z generation, now, in this particular survey, this was the Barna survey, 63% that took the survey were white. That's what this breakdown is. But what they said is that indicates that almost half of post-millennials are non-white in the United States of America. And I think that's why you've had a lot of conversations around race, uh, a lot of fear for some people that they're losing things, they're mm -hmm. losing identity mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. what they believe America to be. Um, one of the things that stood out to me, and I don't know if this is generational or not, but when you ask, what is the primary mark of adulthood? And you ask every generation, hmm. right? Every generational group, millennials and Gen Z ask, answered these in certain ways. But look at this. If you said to a Gen Z, someone who's 18 to 23 years old, what's the primary mark of adulthood? They'd say financial independence. Yeah by exponential wow. whereas the generation above them millennials would say emotional maturity hmm. now mr phd explain to me what that means well wow. well there's an age difference right so and i mm -hmm. think you also have social media with a bunch of influencers that look like if you can just make money that's that's when your life is secured right i, th I think in in terms of the gen z but i don't know that i mean that's a big it's almost flipped right it is flipped um and so you have, and you think about emotional maturity. That's a group that's from twenty-four to say forty, yeah, or around forty. What do millennials go up to? Almost that much. Well, you've got you've got then also. I mean, if twenty-four, you've got also like brain developments already happened, and so the there's some shift in in terms of just values and those things. So m emotional maturity is going to be much more important in some ways. Hmm. Um, I, I also wonder if. Um, Gen Z is wondering how, I mean, I think the, the, the fear of kids that are just kind of entering into that are like, how do I make money? How, how's this going to work out? Yes. 24 to 40 yeah. would be the range for millennials. Okay. So 20, 24 to 40, the primary mark of adulthood is emotional maturity. Hmm. I kind of think I like that. That's the primary mark of adulthood. <laughs> yeah, emotional yeah. maturity. Yeah. Um, when will you be most secure in life? They asked Gen Z. 51% said happiness is the ultimate goal in life, but look how they define happiness. Yep. What Money. does happiness look like? Money. Success. Yep. 23% education, 20% family, 8% spiritual, 6% health. You know, these, these statistics are interesting. One of the things um, I tell people too, when you look down here at the pressure of this young generation, mm -hmm. how many, how, how have you, well-being, anxiety, depression, Gen Z facing epidemics of anxiety and depression. Look at this. I've experienced this 58% for Gen Z, whereas boomers are only 40%. That's a huge difference. Mm. 
Um, and they don't feel that the church is talking about these things. I mentioned that last week in church of all places because they never hear their church talking about loneliness, depression, anxiety. And that's the biggest thing that that generation is dealing with it more than ever. And I, I, I tell people, um, you know, for me, if you look at the young generation, if you look at our kids, they have a double dose of pandemic. Mm-hmm. So for me and you, we have to deal with the pandemic, our families, the world, our job. Our kids have to deal with the pandemic, school, friendships, whatever. But they also have to carry the anxiety of their parents. Right. And children are, they have superpowers, especially young children have these superpowers. It's like receptivity gene to where I always love it when couples come to me and they say, well, we're having marriage problems. Things are not going well, but we haven't told our kids. Our kids don't know anything about it. And I'm like, no, your kids know. Dude, they've known for months. They may not even be able to articulate like exactly like language wise, but they know something's up (laughs) and they carry that anxiety. That's right. And so I think we have to be honest about that and provide ways for parents to equip parents and equip children to talk about it. That's right. Um, this is not going to be my grandfather's world where you just cowboy up and you got through it. No. You know, he was in World War II. He suffered from PTSD, but you didn't get to talk about PTSD. There no. was no PTSD. No. So it manifested itself in, in other ways. That's right. Um, and not all of those ways were healthy. Right. You know, I don't know that I go back and look. There's a lot of things about my grandfather I admire, but a lot of things about just what, what was swept under the rug and never talked never, about. Never. I think we're healthier now, and in some ways, though, we've got to be, we've got to use the resources that are available. That's right. That's right. I agree with that. That's where the church is a hospital, you know, um, for those that are, that are hurting. And we've got a whole generation, all of us, we've got a whole generation that are saying, hey, I'm taking on more water than I got capacity for. And if, if the church doesn't, I think, pivot and begin to talk about practically determined solutions that are root-systemed in the kingdom of God, um, we will continue to um, offer things that no one needs. I think what we need to do, Jeff, is we need to find us a, like, a, like a group of young people and have them come on the podcast with Let's us. Let's do that. Like church, not church, unchurch, you know, and just like have a real conversation or do an off-site somewhere give some safe space mm-hmm. i think that would be pretty cool be i great. think just to hear yeah kind of what the struggles because it's it's different a kid who grows up in church is in church versus a kid who grew up in church it's not now in church or a kid who didn't grow up in church yeah. hmm. anyway anything else well i'm john stevens and i'm matt russell and this is pod have mercy every time i feel the spirit